TRVR Trap Tales Across the Continent Raj, a fedora hat wearing senior counsel by day and an angel investor by night. No, it's fantastic. I, lo- I loved it and there were so many nuggets in there which I've taken away and I think our, reader, our listeners will take away as well. The one I liked the best was your network is equal to your net worth, right? So it's all about your network and that was a great story as well. Vishal, a helpless foodie in the kitchen but a consummate dealmaker in the boardroom. So we hear that you run your organization with your family. I mean, it's hard today in a contemporary sort of setting for people to understand that and fathom that. And how do you keep this all together? It's Vishal and Raj on the We Are VR podcast, brought to you by the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association. Mr. Kulasingam, how's it going, buddy? Are you in the, are you <laughs> well, in the house or are you sleeping this afternoon or morning? No, 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 or no. I, I, am, I, am, I am up. I'm upright. Um, thank God. Um, feeling good, looking forward to this conversation. Um, yeah, I'm good, man. It's been we've, good to we've, see you. we've got a really, we've got a really interesting guest today. Jeff, you tell me, me. you tell a really me. interesting guest. You tell me. I, he, I heard it's diamonds and pearls. Diamonds and pearls. He's sparkly. He's all sparkly. This is a buddy of mine, actually, from from the Emirates, based in Dubai. Ahmed Damani, and Ahmed is a um, little younger to you. About the same peerage as me. And, <laughs> Are you trying to make me look old? <laughs> no, I would never do that to my favorite uh, Hamill Bollywood star. I would never do that. So, so Amit, Amit went to Harvard and, and he started up his uh, career in the jewelry business, actually, in, in 89. And he started out, he set up the first family office for his his business in 89 in Bangkok, actually. And it's a really interesting tale because, and we've got to get him on and chat with him, but it's a really interesting tale because apparently up to then, his father was a traveling salesman who, who had gems in his briefcase and would travel the world and talk to high networks and, and had built a really nice, trustworthy name in the jewelry business. And Amit started this incredible journey to build a brand. So today, I think we're going to get a chance to talk to a brand builder, Raj. How are you feeling about that? Look, I always think it's, 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 it's interesting about how people build brands, right? Because brands are kind of difficult for you to pinpoint as to what makes a true brand. So, so it's great to understand how Amit has built that brand and, and what the brand means. Um, I also think that, you know, one of the questions that you and I discussed was, you know, wh- where does this fit in within the African sort of landscape that we talked about, right? And I'm sure yeah. Amit's going to tell us about because that. Because he's, no, lo- he's no longer based in uh, Bangkok. I mean, uh, at the very early years of his career, he moved to the Emirates. He moved to Dubai. Sure, sure. And, sure. and as it turns out, built what is called the Mani Jewels. So the Mani is the brand name, the Mani Jewels Group. And he's in the jewelry business, which is which is a nice, nice, beautiful departure from the traditional businesses that we talk to, and therefore it's very sparkly. But but having said that, uh, one of the things I was looking up Amit and the, and the business is that I think he sees himself as 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 a disruptor, right? So so you know one one of the things that we tend to get involved in is businesses that in, that disrupt other businesses. So it'll be interesting to see what so what he's, he's talking about disrupting. Like the house of Cartier, right? I mean, the old guys, like, the old guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the like the Beers, the Beers was formed in like the 1800s. The house All of right. Cartier, probably shortly right. thereafter. I mean, those All guys right. have been around like 
100, 150 years. So for right. someone to... Well, almost like a cartel, right? Yeah, that's right. But to actually disrupt <laughs> them, to build something that gives you that same legacy and trust and heritage would be an incredible conversation. And uh, so he's built all this stuff out of, out of Dubai with the family. So, so that's another really interesting take on it. That, yeah, you know, because I think that the, the family thing is also for me, when I was again doing some research, the family thing is very interesting. I mean, because, you know, um, a lot of the businesses I see across um, the continent and in Southeast Asia where I grew up are really family businesses and they form the bedrock of most economies there. And I think family businesses um, can learn so much from what you've done um, as to how to, you know, move it forwards, how to uh, modernize it. How So I'd love to hear your story. So shall we, what shall we do? Shall we bring Amit on? Yes, yes, yes. Let's do that. So Amit Damani from YPO is how I met him. Uh, Young President's Organization. He and I have been peers in YPO for the longest time. He's He's built a name, he's built a fortune, he's built a family business entrepreneur and a great friend. Let's bring on Amit Damani. Hi, hi Vishal, hi Raj. What a pleasure to be on your amazing podcast. Amit, hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. So we want to, we want to see the sparkly Amit that, that we've been talking about and, and hear your story, Amit. Yeah, but where are, the, where are the diamonds? I don't see any diamonds. Where are the diamonds? Where are the diamonds? <laughs> I think that you have to go to our Insta page and you'll find a lot of diamonds. <laughs> I will try to give some pearls of wisdom or jewels of my learning today. You know, I thought he said, I was, I was, I thought he was going to say, I'll try and give you some diamonds, but you know, I was getting <laughs> excited then. <laughs> so, so, Ahmed, so, so talk to us a little bit about uh, this journey. Talk to us about, uh, uh, about, so, so we hear that you run your organization with your family, with your wife, with your brothers, with their wives, with your children, Talk to us about that. I mean, I, I mean, it's hard today in a contemporary sort of setting for people to understand that and fathom that. And how do you keep this all together, Amit? I think that's a very interesting question to start with. So I'll give a quick background so people just understand what are the multiple dynamics we are dealing with. So we are three brothers. I'm eldest of the three, me, Rohit, and Manish. And we are a joint family business. And we work together. We live together in a big house. So... All the wives, my wife, Nupur, Rohit's wife, Preeti, and Manish's wife, Priya, they all are in business. Interesting structure. All the people have independent roles, but they are non-reporting to any husband. The other brother is a buddy. So I'm oh, buddy wow. to my, my brother's, Manish's wife, Priya. She heads our Lavier brand. Uh, Preeti, who's Rohit's wife, she heads the design and Dhamani Prive, and Manish supports her. And Nupur, my wife, has been shadowed and supported by Rohit. And why we have done over the years is that it gives an independence to everybody to really formally come to work and really be able to deliver what is expected to deliver. We are there to support everyone because in family businesses or businesses of our nature, which is fine jewelry, a lot of personalization is required. You know, when you meet a high net worth individual, they would like to meet, especially in this part of the world, GCC, they would like to meet sometime a, a lady director to an important client or a palace. So they feel delighted that there's a Damani himself coming there. So we thereby support in grooming each other's skills and taking it further to create one of the finest jewelry brands in the world that is our aspiration. 
And like you said, Vishal, all these brands which you named, they are amazing. They have done all the hard work for 200, 300 years. We as a young family feel that in today's modernization and the way that digitalization is happening, there is an opportunity that we can create a fine jewelry brand in 30, 40 years time. Wow. Certainly required. A lot of hard work, a lot of, lot of persistence, learning, uh, clarity of focus. And, and here we are and, you know, trying to mix the best of both worlds. But, but from a family business nope. standpoint, Amev, um, you have some rules, right? I mean, you don't talk about business, for example, at home. Talk to us about the, how does that work? So you come home and you don't talk work with your spouse at or all. your brother at all? How does at that work? All. So, so when we, and you know, this, this matrix has been started long ago, you know, since we got married, all our arranged marriages, we never knew our spouses before coming from the business backgrounds. But the idea was that we don't want to bring the work home. And typically we think as a very clear business that if you really have urge to talk about business, then you go out of the house, go to a restaurant and discuss. And if you start speaking business at home, people will get up on the table and leave. Those are the rules being decided long ago. So nobody takes bad of it. How much urgent or pressing need it is that discipline comes to mind. And one guy will say, listen, okay, thank you so much. If you want to talk about business, let's go to the uh, private restaurant outside and discuss about it if you want to discuss something now. And over the year, the practice has helped us. So we have zero conversation of business at home, zero. So that's really interesting. I want to go back to what you said earlier, that you all are living in the same house, not, not yep. in the same compound, not in the same yep. house. So for me, that's that's past like a disaster waiting to happen. I can, you know, I've got five, three kids and one wife and we're all in the same house, especially in COVID. That means stuff. So, so I want to talk to you about how do you make that work, right? You know, because that is not unusual structure. So I know lots of families, even from my days in Malaysia, et cetera, where you live in a, in a complex or a compound, but in one house where you're all interacting with each other, presumably there's one kitchen, there's one living room. Yes. How do those rules work? And how do you, how do you separate lives and businesses and, you know, and, and your own personal space? So I think it all started with a clarity of vision that what we want as a family, right? When we all got on the journey of transforming the business to brand, we all said that it's a happy problem of growth, but certainly we require certain disciplines around things. We, coming from a traditional Marwadi family from Rajasthan, we have this structure of one house system in Rajasthan, in Bangkok, in here in Dubai, to really have that bonding. We say the maximum time of the life is when you are bonded with each other, how you can enjoy that time. So to make that I think everybody is very clear on the vision of the business and family that we are there to support each other. We are there for growth of business and growth of individual and growth of family. So everybody is very clear the roles and the direction of the business. But, you know, in some ways, that's, that's kind of counterintuitive to a lot of the families that I come across, right? So a lot of the families I've come across saying, yes, we, we're a family business. We've grown. Now we want to corporatize. We want to bring in external people who are experts, etc. We as a family, you know, will sit back, step back a little bit, maybe have a non-executive role, but we want to run the business on a corporate basis, right? So, so t talk to us about, you know, I'm sure you must have had that discussion, right? So, how, you know, do you see that changing? Do you, do you see this structure going on? No. So very interestingly, and I think this is a very good point about the structure. We have professional managers, non-family at the top C-level positions. So we have COOs of the brands, 
and we have uh, different people running professionally. The main idea is why a family person is heading each vertical. We have various verticals, various functions, is that this fine jewelry business require personalization. Whatever we say, I always say and believe the biggest strength of Damani is network is our net worth. If we walk in a room and we have a most important person in the country, he knows you by your first name and he's buying from you things. This is he's buying because it's like a doctor or a lawyer. He wants to talk to a Damani. I like, and I like this that. Is Raj and I come from professional services as background and we know that if we had to do something with our former employer brands, they would spend millions of dollars to reinvent the brand. So, so talk to us about that, that finding the courage to make those decisions. How, how do you do that and particularly pull that family together that is your uh, co-patriot, your shareholder? How do you bring them all together back to family in some ways to, to walk with you in this journey? There's two ways to it. You can do trial and error and blow up a lot of money in learning and without knowing the zeal, the entrepreneurship, and it can drain down. We were strong in wholesale business. We understood that we will go step by step in fine jewelry retail. As we go forward, we'll try to reduce the wholesale because it's more turnover and less profit. And then we're trying to find right parity to plate both exactly. And I mean, Harvard did a case study on your your company, right? I mean, you started yeah. you started this business 1969 as a family, and you opened the first store in Dubai in the 90s. And Harvard Harvard Business School comes along and does a case study on you. Tell us tell us about that journey and uh, how can, can uh, how I, the, yes yeah. Can I just add another thing? So so you know, getting on a Harvard as as Vishal getting to become a Harvard case study is in itself you know, an achievement, right? So let's just talk also, tell us a little bit about, you know, the fact that you were a Harvard alumni help or, you know, was that, you know, contact, right. talk, talk to us. Interesting. I think alumni doesn't help much, but more interestingly, you know, the head of entrepreneurship at Harvard, Linda Applegate, she saw, because, you know, again, when I say about consultants and people who we take guidance, it's not about paid consultants. Through our professors, through our peer group, always you are throwing the ideas. And we were asking the questions to our alumni and professors. Listen, what do you think? Are we doing this right or wrong, right or wrong? So Linda Applegate came back and said, listen, we want to do a case study on Damani. And we said, Linda, we are very humbled, but we are just beginning our journey. You know, I don't even know what we can provide. And Linda said, listen, we want our MBA students to understand the entrepreneur's mindset who, like you, in real flesh and blood, are trying to come and find jewelry brands of the world. And we want to write the case study that how your family dynamics, at the same time, business dynamics in luxury is working. And this is where this case study and, you know, uh, it gives more responsibility. Certainly the case study is there. We went to, we go time to time to the classes and we listen and you go in a classroom where it's for and against and you have boys, you know, the students will beat you up. Somebody will say, are you freaking out of your mind? Who are you? Like, we love that. You have to have thick skin to listen to that. And the, and the students in the room say, are you really gone crazy? Are you serious? Why even you're trying to do this? Who are you? And then we try to write down the points and try to really figure it out. What is the answer we should look at beyond these learnings? So every time this case study mechanism 
and learning through is really helping us to look beyond the normal course of things. But, but I'm a, hey, we know, should put a we should put a link to the case study. Yes, we will. When we do that, yeah, we, we we will share the link to the case study with our with our listeners. That'll be awesome. But but a uh, Harvard case study takes your organization and particularly an organization that's run by family and makes it very transparent. No, I mean it's a very oh, yeah, right. naked naked look at the money jewelers. Uh, how do you how do you deal with that, Amit? I mean, and to to showcase what does each of your family member do and how does it all work? It it must feel vulnerable or insecure, right? Walk walk us through that journey. Oh, Vishal, you nailed it so spot on. And typically, you know, if you read the case study, it's an X-ray of the family over since we started. And when professors at Harvard they write cases, they really do independent research. They have team flew in. They met. different counterparties not people who we directly knew by themselves they took interviews and all that because they want to present a real open and transparent in totality and we as family said listen the important thing in life of the mani family and the mani brothers is the education learning and the transparencies we said it's better that we be open about it and this will be something which will be learning by ourselves and for our next future generation to really be able to give a small balloon of learning to anybody who writes who reads it so a lot of people said oh why you are showing everything and you are telling about your business and profit and how you worked and your clients and so on i said we have learned our life journey through learning from others and finding the best out of it it's fine if somebody even a competitor if anybody want to learn from what we have done why not because it gives us more comfort and peace of mind as we go for rocky patches in between and maybe a few trips do you want to share you know a, a few kind of those kind of stories and you know how, maybe some of our listeners might take away you know what they can learn from the not so good bits the dark bits okay i i think i think i want to give few interesting learnings what we have in life which can be interesting for listeners number 1 I think communication is the key. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Don't worry about over communicating. Within the family, within the brothers, within the team, we follow the balance scorecard mechanism in which our vision is cascaded down till the drivers. So even driver knows that if he's bringing a client to the store, he's bringing and adding value to the business. So we are very open and transparent in our vision cascading. Communication. We do lot of cross departmental meetings, and we want people to really listen and understand what has been communicated. We have a simple mantra: If me, Vishal, and you, we three are on the same knowledge curve, when I start delivering any message to you, how much I will remember, I will only can give you eighty five percent from my mind. Now, when you go out and deliver to your team members, how much you good you are, you can only do eighty five. So imagine three four layer downs. the vision is only left 40 50% so we do lot of small notes you know if i talk to you i'll just type a message and send it to you so we know that we have discussed something it's not formal but it gives clarity that i understood what you said and this applies to all work all family all business so i certainly will urge the listeners to have very clear communication so well, roger know, i tried that but Ahmed does this in real time. So when I was chatting with him about the podcast, and we were just kind of doing some prep work in real time, as I was talking to him, he sent me everything that we talked about on WhatsApp, 
And I always thought he had like a special app. <laughs> no, but I like that. Listen, you know, one of the things that I was taught very early on in my legal career, right? So you have a meeting, you discuss lots of points, and you always summarize at the end of the meeting, and then you say, I will send you a note of the points we've agreed, right? I mean, that's just, you know, ingrained into my DNA, right? So I love it because, you know, you and I know, right? You talk something, you talk something, and then two days later, you get the document and it doesn't reflect what we talked about because no one was on the same page. When there was no summary, there was no follow-up. So I think that's a great lesson as well, right? That and the second point, which I like to say is everybody should have maximum four KPI, maximum. They should work on 2080 formula of, of business management. They can have 20 operational points, but each level of a person should have four KPI which will deliver 80% of their job. Then rest of all the other points they can cover in weekly, monthly, bi-monthly meetings, but they should be focused on four KPIs as they come in the morning. They should, and we follow the RACI charts, you know, so they should read what is their responsibility, accountability, communication, and information. They should read it on a daily basis. What I should do is different. What I'm expected to do is different. And what I have to do today is different. So the best part is if there is a clarity from the senior management to various levels of uh, the team, what is expected from them, I think that is very helpful thing. I think there is no ambiguity. So I certainly say that. I'm going to, I'm going to press you on this because you didn't quite answer my question. So I want an example where you fell down face first, head planted down and you got up and said that was a bad mistake. Right. So can you tell us, tell us about that? Uh, I certainly come to that. And one very important point I can say about skills and weaknesses. Yeah. So I'm very brand person, personalized and all, but I'm a very, very weak and I can accept on, on, you know, on live uh, podcast. I'm very weak restructuring person. So in 2008, when it was required to cut down, I didn't cut down. You know, I felt very bad. I was emotionally drained. And I was really not able to understand how you have to reduce the stores, how you have to reduce the people. And, you know, that really hurt the business. And this is where the family role for brothers and father came in the play. And they said, no, 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 we can't let you do it your way. Even you are heading this part of the work, but you cannot do it. So they took the lead on that, did what was required good for business. I felt in agony, you know, I felt very bad. But way forward after one, two years, I feel relaxed and delighted because that was a savior for business. So certainly many times emotions, they are important. They drive the business, especially in high net worth, high jewelry brands. But we have to really let some things to some other people who are good at. We can share our inputs and ideas, but we should acknowledge what we can't do. I think that's very important and ask for help give support is what have started in the company after that. I will come every day morning and ask Raj, Raj, do you need anything from me or can I help you? So Raj should ask this two question every day to everybody he meets. Every day. Because Raj sometimes is shy, he'll not ask for help and he will put a lot of burden on himself and get drained out. Or somebody else who could have taken Raj's guidance was not able to do it. So I certainly feel uh, this aspect of asking for help and supporting is very, very key. So, Amit, you build 
the, the Mani 1969, the Mani Jewels, Dussel, and Levere, four brands, 15 stores, this, this great company. And now you're talking about Africa? Talk to us about, talk to us about that. So uh, one would think that a fine jeweler like yourself, who's, who's been behind Dubai Cut and we see at Royal Polo Fields standing next to Prince Charles and all these celebrities is now going to go to New York, London, Paris, Tokyo. Talk to hey, us hey, you're about You're aging Af him. You're aging him. He's not Prince Charles. You're William. aging him. He's not Prince Charles. Prince William, okay? William, William. Prince William. <laughs> <laughs> he was hanging out with Prince Inter William. Yeah. So, Interesting. I think, I think Vishal. All right. I'll... I'll you know, as they say, you can only connect the dots backwards. So I will just connect one dot backward and you will try to understand where I'm coming from. 17 years ago, we were the first company to hire mainland Chinese working in our stores in Dubai. And everybody said like, oh my God, like who exactly is this Chinese customer, right? Why exactly? Who are these customers and why you have to bring somebody who doesn't even know English? We felt the growth and the direction of the business was coming from the mainland China. Now, we feel a very, very strong feeling and, and spirit coming from African entrepreneurs. We see Africa as continent will go through a tremendous growth curve. And when we say tremendous growth curve, it talks about everything and each and everything, what do you say, from infrastructure to AI to computers, from mining, you know, you name it. So we see as a company who's in a high net worth individual businesses that the wealth creation and wealth generation will be zooming up in African subcontinent. When we look at areas of new growth, we certainly feel that we want to be a torchbearer in this segment to really come up in front and maybe come to Africa, do some roadshows, try to physically present in an important city to be first one who give the high-end luxury personalized jeweler concept to discerning African customers, which has been used to buy in UK or other markets. We feel that increase of GDPs in African countries and the wealth creation will help the money as a personalized fine jewelry brand to make a space with African subcontinent clients. I think, you know, trust in your business is everything, uh, Amit, but so is association. And you told me a really interesting tale over the phone about association and association risk. You know, share that with, share that with our, uh, our listeners. All right. So on no-name basis, I can certainly say that we are blessed to being a personal jeweler to a lot of important people in the region. And when I mention that, this is very important that they see us as a genuine provider of fine jewelry. And they see that we are in good books in the right circles. Many times you can try to make a quick buck and start selling left, right and center. But Damani has been Barik certificate, which is good jewelry trading practice from 2003. We have an ISO certificate. We are the first jewelry company which has United Nations, which signed on UN Global Impact on 10 principles of UN. We are certainly trying to come, and I think this is very important also, which I want to share with the listeners. It's 
it's very important that we have some third party validations and disciplines put so we don't get carried away and do some shortcuts so people who trust you with hundreds of thousand dollars or millions of dollars of fine jewelry they want to be sure that you are coming back with a clear and transparent background and that has really helped us from day one fantastic hey sorry I was trying to sort out my WhatsApp thing. I mean, can I can I just talk you through um, the whole disruption piece a little bit, right? So, you know, what we're seeing both across the world today, even Africa is just no exception, is this whole digitization, um, and and that is disrupting, leapfrogging, whatever you want to call it, right? And it seems to me that the industry you're in is a very sort of old-fashioned, old-world industry. it's about networks it's about a brand but is digitization and this new world has it got a place to play in a business like yours and how are you taking advantage of that uh, that's an interesting question and my daughter srishti you know she's a young bentley graduate she worked two years outside in new york and some professional firms in difc she uh, applied a job in our company through professional managers in september 19 uh, march she interned march to september and she asked i would like to look in an area which you are not too much focused and digital was one thing we were like brick and mortar guys right what do we care digital so we said all right it's fine go ahead and take digital and i must tell you during corona and as we speak now the impact of digital presence and digital marketing which she through her uh, mentorship of my brothers are able to create is unbelievable we as a business or a brand would have not thought how we could market ourselves very uniquely using this digital tools because earlier very traditional newspaper magazines billboard tv ads and all but today the world of digital and personalized marketing is a game changer and it's not about just selling online it's about giving the information what you sell to the right audience so they see you and they keep you in mind whenever they want to buy. Hey Amit as we wrap up the segment we have a very interesting question from our producer Jeff here. He's asking does a Dhamani have a choice not to be in your business? Can one oh. of your family members say hey Amit I've had enough I want to pay play pol- polo all day all day, all day long and uh, not be in the business or go become hey, uh, a digital marketer for that matter. absolutely and you know we have next generation nine kids three each for each brother and even srishti when she joined she worked two years outside and until she was convinced that she can add value and that's how she came in so we will we are and we will keep the platforms open so the best person for the best job prevails rather than just legacy of family we are not looking for that so jeff it's not a mafioso family <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I mean, can I can I just switch things a little bit? Um, he, he had he had, he had uh, these visions of people kissing the ring, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 horses' heads. Yeah, we all remember Godfather. So, can I switch the thing a little bit? I mean, one of the things that Vishal and I are very um, active on are the angel investors, both on the continent, but in increasingly, but also outside the continent, right? I mean do you see yourselves your family looking at VC and angel investing as an alternative class and 
are you do you see yourself as investors outside your your core business i think uh, till recently and pre corona we were not much giving thought to that but really corona have taught us that we should look much beyond that on our business sometime our knowledge skills and experience if it can really help and grow some businesses and with investment and with knowledge and with presence certainly we are looking forward and we feel we, the multiples of that will be much higher uh, our business uh, which is traditional fine jewelry certainly goes on we have um, in uh, ample number of family members who are part of business so next next road is certainly uh, the direction which you mentioned raj hey hey raj i mean how's that for a story huh not bad diamonds from diamonds to um, to africa you taking diamonds to africa Amit Dhamani, what a pleasure and an honor for us to have you on our on our show, and we are both Raj and I are grateful. Thank we're very you. grateful. We're looking forward to the diamonds, though. Yeah, we're looking for diamonds. <laughs> uh, Vishal and Raj, you will see Dhamani very soon in Africa, so it's not late. Be ready, and 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 you will be remembering when your wife will be walking into buy Dhamani. You know, then you say, "Oh my God, what we asked for." <laughs> That's the scary bit. This, what what a great guest, Raj. What a great story! Almost, almost a beautiful story of family and values, and what that does from an organization standpoint to build something that could compete with brands that are a couple of hundred years old. No, it's fantastic. I, lo- I loved it, and there were so many nuggets in there which I, I, I've taken away, and I think our reader, our listeners will take away as well. The one I liked the best was your network is equal to your net worth, right? So it's all about your network. um and that was a great story as well i also think that there were so many things that were kind of almost felt um you know old school but new school right so the way his family structure is felt very very old but kind of be modernized yes well i mean you know he's talking about balance scorecard down to his driver mm-hmm. so and and on a personal level side right? so if you think about what we do in our work life he he is taking some of the structures and values and uh, sort of the drivers of delivering great outputs and applying them to his family life and and sort of saying hey if i get my family right family life right, right those values right. are actually what are the fuel to my business because my business depends on those values it's it's actually quite clever It is. It is. Um, look, I think what I there's so many there's so many things to take away from it. Uh, he's a nice guy as well, um, and you know, and I like the fact that he was very open and honest about you know his what he sees as his weak points, his strong points. I think you know that's a that's a that's a sign of a true a good entrepreneur, a good leader, right? That you Great can leader. actually he's see. He's actually he's actually quite humble, which is yeah. It really yeah. sort of really draws you into that. No, it's a fantastic story. Great, great guest. We are VR. Trap tales across the continent. It's Vishal and Raj on the We Are VR podcast. The podcast is executive produced by Jeff Mortet, proudly sponsored by the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association. Catch the We Are VR podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We Are VR. Trap tales across the continent.